Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. I'm here. I haven't gone into labor yet. I'm twiddling my thumbs, waiting, you know, placing the bets. We're just waiting. 39 weeks and counting. Some change a day. But with all the preterm labor, and I have had ongoing contractions I mean, for like two months now, but tons of them the last couple of weeks. I know this baby's going to come fast, so stay tuned. I appreciate all the prayers and the excitement waiting for baby girl number two to arrive over here. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. We're going to talk about why married couples are having less sex than ever. What are the factors? Do you have a thought? Numbers 1-888-914-9149. My guest today is Jim O'Day, the executive director of Integrity Restored, and he works with people who are dealing with uh, sexual addiction, pornography use, and finding hope and healing. If you've experienced betrayal trauma from someone, a spouse perhaps, or a partner who's been in that place. If you'd like to learn more about his work and the resource of his ministry or support them, you can check out integrityrestored.com. That's integrityrestored.com. We're going to talk today about struggling marriage, as well as St. Joseph, especially in this Advent season. We're going to be hearing this coming Sunday from the Gospel according to Matthew with that Annunciation narrative coming to St. Joseph when the angel Gabriel appears to St. Joseph, uh, leading to that dream that inspires St. Joseph to boldly and courageously embrace Our Lady even in the face of the fear and concern centering around her marriage. It's our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. If you have a question, we'd love to take it. Catholic Perspective with Jim O'Day on what's happening in the culture. Again, 1-888-914-9149. Or you can ask your question now. Just give us a call or on social media. Jim, welcome back to Trending. Let's talk about St. Joseph in these days leading up to Christmas and his perspective and the whole handling of this expectation of the Christ child and this new bride of his, of Our Lady. Yeah, I mean, for, first we have to remember that in the Jewish tradition, they were betrothed. So she was kind of his bride already. Uh, we, we don't think of it that way. But here, here he is betrothed to her. So Mary is Joseph's bride. And yet... She's with child. And so Joseph, being a a righteous man, doesn't want to expose her to unnecessary shame. He just decides he's going to quietly divorce her. But then the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. 
For it's true, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. Now, sometimes I think when we think of the Holy Family, when we think of the apostles, when we think of the saints, we think that kind of in this Pollyannish way that they didn't have fears, they didn't have anxiety, they didn't have difficulties or struggles. I don't think that's true at all. I think when all that was going on, my own personal thought was Joseph was petrified, Timory. He was scared. He was fearful. He was confused. He was all the things that you or I would be. And I relate personally very closely to, to this scripture. Not that I'm anything like St. Joseph. Don't get me wrong, people. But my 21st birthday present was, honey, I'm pregnant. Hmm. And I was afraid. I was scared. I was confused. I didn't know what to do. But thanks be to God, through the grace of God, through his help, Kim and I are still married, celebrate 35 years. We have two wonderful kids, two incredible grandkids. So sometimes I think we have to look at these stories in the Bible and put ourselves there. So what was that character feeling on a human level? I mean, anybody who says that Joseph and Mary weren't scared, I don't think is making sense. Mm -hmm. But they still followed God's will. They yep. did the tough thing. They did the right thing. And I think so often, especially today, um, we feel so much anxiety, so much tension, so much fear, so much stress. But we often use that to do the wrong thing. To deaden ourselves with pornography. Or to, to check out and just zone in on social media so we're blanked out. Or television. Or eating or drinking or, or whatever it is. You know, all those stories we read in the Bible, they had the same feelings we do. Right. They different times, different like contexts, but still, I mean, the same natural human frustrations and desires and joys and challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, and, and, and talk about fear. I mean, in the Jewish law, if Mary was found to be pregnant uh, without a husband, she could be stoned to death. Mm -hmm. That was the law. So, yeah, there was, you know, when we read all these Christmas stories, we don't think of the human nature of it. Uh, and when we read scripture, we don't often think of the human nature of it. And I think it's, it's helpful sometimes to say, well, how would I feel in that, mm -hmm. in that position? As a man, I'd be scared, probably a little angry. What's going on? I'm confused. I don't understand. But he prayed. And he did the right thing anyway. You know, there and I is think a, yeah, a fear, great lesson in that. Mm -hmm. Fear, anxiety, uh, but obedience and to choosing the right thing and doing the will of God in those moments. And I think sometimes, Jim, people think, oh, you know, how do I know the will of God? You know, I'm in this challenging circumstance. Well, what does the church teach? You know, right. do we teach fidelity to marriage? We do. We do. The church teaches and holds true to fidelity to marriage till death do us part. So yes, St. Joseph, even in the bleakest of circumstances, 
was called to be faithful, but not just be faithful, to actually step into that role as father of this child, even with the questionable circumstances. Yeah, you know, just on a human level, it must have been a lot. And 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 thank God his faith was so strong that he trusted in the Lord. And that and that dream and that vision and that angel visiting him, he accepted that as truth. And that's you know, that's that's only through a close relationship with God the Father. And so so often when we're afraid, when we're anxious, um we don't trust that God can take care of this, that God can work all this out. He's not saying for us not to do anything. Joseph had to do something. He married her, and then he had to run with her to safety. And then he had to bring her back. He always had to do something. But God did take care of the situation. I like to say, when I read this scripture, Joseph showed up. He didn't say, I need the answer to everything right now, Lord. you got to tell me exactly how everything's going to go down, what's going to happen. He just showed up when he had to. And sometimes as men, that's all we have to do too. Yeah, you might be afraid. You might be anxious. You might be upset. You might be angry. You might... But you got to show up, particularly in marriage. You got to show up, even when it's hard. That's Jim O'Day, the executive director of Integrity Restored here on Relevant Radio. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray. We're talking about the anticipation of the gospel reading from Matthew chapter 1, where St. Joseph is finding himself in unusual circumstances, uh, planning to set Our Lady aside as she's expecting a child, and then... uh, an angel appears to him in a dream telling her, telling Joseph, you know, this is by the power of the Holy Spirit and don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. And as I keep thinking about what you just said, Jim, you said Joseph showed up. He just showed up and that's what he had to do. And you said he ran with Mary, like he went where he had to go, you know, whether it was to Bethlehem or to fleeing to Egypt to keep the baby safe. And I think there are a lot of circumstances where especially for men, you know, you're in this circumstance where you're like, I'm running into a wall. I don't know what to do with regard to my family, with regard to my marriage, one of my children. I don't know how I'm going to fix this or handle it. And we have the parameters of the church, you know, staying faithful to marriage, you know, being present. I keep thinking of the litany of St. Joseph right now. And what are some of those titles that we refer to St. Joseph as? Spouse of the mother of God. Okay, show up, stay and be that spouse. We pray to him as guardian of the redeemer. He guarded, he protect, guardian of the virgin. He protected, provider of the son of God. He had to be consistent in providing. Um, Zealous defender of Christ that you passionately then defend. Um, Joseph, most obedient, that you're obedient to the will of God. And again, that starts with, well, how do I know the will of God in my marriage and my family and in my vocation? What does the church teach? What is my responsibility? What is the honorable and right thing to do? That's how we know. And we know when we go against those things in our conscience. And if our conscience is maybe sullied from sin and brokenness in our lives, this is a really good reminder for struggling through something of the importance of going to confession mm. to help clear right our conscience, to strengthen and bolster our conscience, give us the grace necessary 
to know and to be able to discern right from wrong without the habitual sin weighing on our backs. Well, yeah, and and here in my work at Integrity Restored, that's kind of a recurring theme, right, Tim Murray? Um, I I have this, as St. Paul said, this thorn in my side, and, and, and I do the thing I don't want to do. Well, when that happens, we, we have this incredible sacrament. There's all kinds of uh, coaching and counseling, the therapies and, and groups. You have to reach out for help. There are going to be times in all of our lives, especially in married life, where we run up against an obstacle that we don't know what to do. So as men, we have to ask ourselves, What is the honorable thing to do? What is the righteous thing to do? What does my faith tell me I should do? And then if we're still stuck, then you start reaching out because God does put people in our lives that can guide us and help us and talk to us. And some days, gentlemen, all you're going to be able to do is show up. But make sure you show up. Be there for your wife. Be there for your kids. Jim, That's, let's actually take a comment. Um, I was written into earlier today about uh, just challenges within marriage. And if you're joining us now, Jim O'Day is the executive director of Integrity Restored. You can find him at integrityrestored.com. And it's a gentleman's hour. So if you have a question, gentlemen, Catholic perspective on what's going on in your life, we'd be happy to take it with Jim. Numbers one 914 9149, or you can ask that question now on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, and we'll be happy to answer your question. Uh, I received a message from a man whose marriage is struggling right now and was asking for prayers. He and his wife are going through this separation, and he's expecting um, divorce papers over the next week. And he said they've been married three years with over a 10-year-long relationship with memories and a great friendship. They've known each other since high school, being high school sweethearts. They actually lost their firstborn child uh, earlier this year in February. And, you know, he's just going through everything with this brokenness of the marriage. And it's kind of sounding like he's at this point of uh, kind of accepting, like, okay, this is just where it's at and, you know, things are in a certain respect, falling apart, but, you know, asking for that plea of prayer. So let's talk a little bit in light of St. Joseph and in light of the challenges. You deal so often, Jim, with challenges within the context of marriage. What do you say in this situation? You know, what? where do you look to, you know, this brokenness? You know, one, clearly his wife is mourning and working through this heartbreak of the loss of their child this year that I can imagine is a primary um, stressor for this marriage. Oh, I would, I would think so, and it's, and it's really safe to assume in this case that that this poor woman is suffering from a very severe depression, um, maybe some hormonal issues, and she really needs help. And sometimes in that moment, the husband really can't provide the direct help. He can still support his wife, however. And in this case, what I would tell this gentleman is he needs to pray for the gift of supernatural patience with his wife. And he needs to make it as easy as possible for her 
to get the help she needs in any way. Counseling, spiritual direction, uh, medical help, pharmaceutical help, if that's what she needs. There's a lot going on there that we don't know because he just wrote in a little, um, mm. a little request for prayer. And that's so important. And prayer is so powerful. But it's not the only thing in this case. Mm -hmm. He really, I, my opinion, is needs to find a way to take an active role in, in providing for his wife the help she needs, mm -hmm. even if that can't be him directly at yeah. this point. And even if she's shunning her, I think that's a challenge. You know, she's shunning me, and I just keep looking at, oh my goodness, that pain that you know must be going on for her and for him after having lost that baby. I, I mm -hmm. can't even imagine. And you know, I think it's so easy when we have loss in our lives to reject the very people that remind us of that loss. Uh, so prayers, prayers, if you will pray uh, for Sergio and Pamela, and we'll, we'll pray for them in a moment, but to, you know, add them to your prayer list, praying for a miracle. Uh, I know you and I were talking a little bit about this earlier, and you mentioned, I think it's so important, you know, after losing a baby, there can be a lot of hormonal things going on that's impacting, yeah. you know, the ability to psychologically, physically, emotionally heal. Um, so always recommending resources to our NAPRO physicians who help to, you know, address issues of miscarriage and um, pregnancy loss and loss of a baby. So I'll include a link on social media. Maybe you or someone you know has been through that. Um, but I kept thinking, you know, when Sergio wrote and said he's expecting, you know, divorce papers from his wife any day, I just kept thinking, you don't have to sign those today. You don't have to That's sign right. them tomorrow. I'm thinking of a, a dear friend and mentor of mine who, whose husband came to her many years ago and was living, you know, a very adverse lifestyle apart from her and her children. And he served her divorce papers and she refused to sign them. She mm -hmm. refused to sign them. And I remember even at one point she said, okay, if you want to consider yourself divorced, you know, that's on you. You can consider yourself divorced, but I'm putting these away in this drawer and I'm not signing them. Go, you know, but I'm still, I'm your wife and I'm being faithful here. And it was shocking and it did take him a while to come around eventually a long time later he did come around but i just kept thinking of that fidelity that she showed toward that marriage she couldn't make the choice for him to be faithful but she could be faithful and when you were talking yes. about saint joseph earlier you know his fidelity to his vows like i don't know what to do right uh, but fidelity to the vows fidelity to the responsibility just showing up being there and running with our lady even in the midst of the fear the doubt the confusion that's what we're called to. And so often, I think in this world, we think we have to take this immediate action. Someone just served me with divorce papers. You don't have to sign them today. No. You don't. I think that's and, so powerful to know that. And and in this case in particular, I mean, my counsel would be don't sign them. Your wife needs help. This is a cry for help in many ways. Again, we don't know any of the other background. We don't know any of that. But if they haven't done the counseling, if they haven't met with the priest, if she hasn't got uh, the, the medical care that she needs, those are all things that can really positively impact this relationship. They probably will have to stay separated for the moment, and he's going to need to continue to pray for that supernatural patience. But it doesn't mean it's done. 
Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking how he said, you know, they're kind of high school sweethearts. They've known each other since high school. This is a 10-year-long relationship, three years of marriage. And familiarity, we hear that phrase over and over again, but do we really think about it? Familiarity breeds contempt, right? Mm. And especially when you've known someone, you know, during those fundamental formative years of going from high school through those college years and those young adult years, a lot changes. A lot in each individual can change. And a lot of new life experiences happen. And going through first pregnancy and having lost a baby, you can develop that contempt for the other person, that familiarity, where you almost start to, in some ways, blow off the needs of the other person or not see the other person. This is why we hear about marriages that, you know, three years in, seven years in, all of a sudden it's gotten hard because that familiarity has come in and we think the other person doesn't want to try and work at the relationship that they can't change. Uh, But there's a lot of work on our part that needs to be Mm -hmm. done to work past that familiarity that has very easily and unintentionally caused damage. Well, and when we fall into that rut of familiarity, one of the things that always happens is the grass always looks greener, right? You've all heard that saying. The grass looks greener on the other side. Well, let's be honest. The reason the grass looks greener over there is because it's been covered in manure. That's why it looks greener. It's not greener. (laughs) You know, what you're looking at and thinking you want, you really don't, believe me. Um, I've I've counseled and and spoken to uh, countless men who have left their wives and their families for the grass is greener on the other side. I love that you said it's covered in manure. That's why it is. <laughs> and that's the truth. And, 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 you know, not the first year, but by the third year, almost 100% of them will say to me, Jim, I, the biggest mistake in my life. Mm. What the, the, the woman that God put in front of you, he chose her for you. And, and we have to remember, we're his sons, but that's his daughter. And any of the dads out there who have a little girl, you know that's a whole different thing. That's my baby girl. Well, that, that's God the Father's baby girl. And so don't let the familiar take away the good. Grow that every day. Remember that you love her for a reason. The things that you fell in love with, when you were, in this case, these kids met in high school, right? 16, 17, whatever. Remember those things. What made you laugh? What did you do together that was the most exciting, invigorating, best experience, even if it was just laying out, looking at the stars and holding hands? Do that again. We have to sometimes get out of the routine. Uh, it'll come up in our next topic a little bit of what gets in the way of, of married sex. Um, some of it is, is the routine, is work, is not looking at each other in the same way. But that's a choice. We can choose to look mm-hmm. at our spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I keep thinking the other day I met my friend's Nona, right? Italian grandma. And she said, you know, I've been married about 60 years now. And she's going on and on. And, you know, they had eloped and she's sharing her story. And she's waving her finger in my face. Don't you ever think it was all roses? I want you to know this. She said, I married him after knowing him. Or we, we eloped after knowing each other for two or three days. And there they are in Italy. And it was not all roses. But she said, you know what I did? She said, I made my bed and I slept in it. And she said, that is not what young people today are doing. And as hard as it is to hear, that's what people need to hear. So we're praying for Sergio and Pamela. We're going to come back. We'll pray for Sergio and Pamela. Please add them to your prayer list. And we'll dive into why married couples are having less sex than ever and taking your questions. 1-888-914-9149. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. So great to be with you. It's our weekly Gentleman's Hour. If you have a question, we'd love to take it. Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored, is here giving you a Catholic male take on whatever is going on in your life that you might Need a perspective on one eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine, or ask your question now on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Timmery T I M M E R I E. We put a question box and post up for you, and we were praying and walking through some of the challenges of Sergio and Pamela's journey um, with their marriage. That is just Sergio is expecting divorce papers any day, and we we're talking about you know how to work through that. Um, so. Lots of great, if you are struggling in your marriage, I hope you'll go back and listen to this podcast. It's available at relevantradio.com forward slash trending later tonight or wherever you catch your podcast. We are there to subscribe to Trending with Tim Ray and maybe share this episode with a friend whose marriage is struggling. But Jim, I'd like to pray for Sergio and Pamela. And I am really um, gathering together our prayer warrior army. I mean, we have, we are one of the largest radio networks in the nation, not just in Catholic radio, but in radio in general. And I know prayer changes and saves lives. And so I'm asking you to not just pray with me now for Sergio and Pamela and all those who are struggling in their marriage, but to pray for them and keep their names uh, close to your heart and especially this Christmas season. So we'll pray the Hail Mary if you'll pray with me now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we lift up to you and your most holy mother's intercession, Sergio and Pamela and their marriage. And we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Hope. Pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about marriages, Jim. Um, we hear psychology today and many news reports over the last really 5, 10, 15, 20 years, saying that couples are having less and less sex than ever before. And in fact, it's a trend among millennials down that they're just not having sex, that the prior generations have enjoyed it a whole lot more. And it's interesting because, you know, people are asking why. Why the decline and sexual frequencies, and activity, it would seem that there's more going on, but in fact, there's actual less between couples. You, in your work at Integrity Restored, see a lot of dysfunction with regard to 
relationships, <laughs> marriages. Can you talk a little bit and shed, sh- shed some light on why psychology today and the whole secular world is reporting this crisis? Because uh, it is a crisis. There's a problem because sexuality is a gift from God and it's something that is part of the glue, not the only glue, but part of the glue that helps keep marriages together today. Yeah, and there's there's interesting studies out uh, from years ago, particularly in Japan, where the Japanese government actually got involved. Um, there's a concept over there now, particularly amongst young people. Uh, the, I, I don't remember the Japanese word. It, the translation is, it's a bother. So it's easier for them to, they work very hard. They have the, the, the salaryman mentality over there, where they put in very long hours. They work very hard. It's easier to go back to their apartment by themselves have a drink, watch some porn, masturbate, and then play video games till they go to bed. Mm-hmm. It got so bad over there that the government got involved and is paying people to go on dates. Wow. Now, in marriages here, in my work at Integrity Restored, I'm seeing it all the time. The decline in intimacy for the couple. When we talk, we've, we've done shows on this, you and I, Timory. When we talk about intimacy, we're not just talking about sexual intimacy, but physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy. And I think there's three primary causes for this. I think the first is distraction. We're always distracted from our spouse or our family. By, by phones, emails, social media, notifications, something dinging in our pocket all the time. So there's, there's that distraction. Pornography absolutely plays a huge role in the lack of physical sexual intimacy between couples. What happens, whether it's the man or the woman, uh, who's addicted, what we've seen is things like porn-induced erectile dysfunction, anorgasmia. Um, there's no way to, that the brain... See, the brain thinks what it's seeing on the screen is real. So you've just been with 50 people in 15 minutes that you're flipping around uh, on your phone or your tablet or your computer. So the brain says, that's enough. I'm not interested in anything else. And then the third reason, I think, is just this kind of general malaise that we seem to get stuck in from the pandemic, which was, I think, the start of it, uh, the economic situation now that many couples are facing and the fears of the economy and what's going to happen. We just don't see the good news. So when we're feeling that way, it's kind of hard to feel amorous. Interesting. And the stress that can decrease your libido, all those things, and also throwing in this trend of decreased sexual activity, especially among couples. Couples will go and married for years into couples therapy and uh, secular, non-religious, you know, identifying, no position on contraception, um, have noted that time and time again, people are saying we've not had any sort of sexually intimate encounter 
for years. And what we what we know from research that's very clear is that contraception reduces a person's libido. Um, it actually, you know, shuts down the way men and women interact with one another. And it actually even, we know from anthropological studies, studies done by people such as Lionel Tiger and others, it actually um, skews and causes dysfunction in terms of proper um, coital sexual activity. And there starts to be experimentation. And as we see this rise in the LGBTQ movement and same-sex interaction, that's actually part of what happens when different types of hormonal contraception use is used because the way men and women interact with each other naturally and that natural bodily chemistry and pheromones are interrupted. But then you add disruptors such as stress hormones, you add disruptors such as pornography and all of those different chemicals and norepinephrine, oxytocin that are being kicked in, that are supposed to kick in within this loving embrace between a husband and wife, hmm. that it's kicking in in this wrong timing. Is there any wonder that people no longer know to how to relate to each other on what could be considered a very animalistic way, if not for the gift of the ability to freely choose? Right, that gift of sexual intimacy and to freely give yourself and to give yourself in a committed lifelong relationship and be open to children. We've we've sullied the water so deeply that this confusion actually does kind of make sense, Jim. Oh, the, and there's no question. And, and I'm so glad you brought it up because a lot of this is happening on a hormonal level because of contraception that we don't even see. You know, one of the interesting things is if you look at men over the past two decades, there's been a steady decline in testosterone. Yes. Right. In men. Now, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. People talk about BPAs and the plastic that we're yes. using all the time. and But I also believe that, that contraception, long-term use, either pre-pregnancy, um, has a an impact on that mother's body and then that impact transfers to the fetus mm -hmm. and so yes, i don't think yes. we have all the data there but right. these things are happening at a hormonal level that's the truth and then you have all the other disruptors that you talked about pornography social media um, cultural stress financial concerns all this well it becomes really easy to say i can't i can't do it mm -hmm. i yep. can't be bothered anymore right and we do know as well when you're talking about the contraception use that um, the baby in utero, we know from studies of fish that fish actually are having fertility issues after being exposed to hormones, contraceptive hormones, and that generationally we're seeing it impact the generations of fish down the road in terms of their fecundity. And so between the low testosterone for men, which has led to a having half the quantity of sperm that men have today versus 50 years ago to the contraception use in women, plus the generational impact of hormonal contraception use. I mean, we are seeing this massive decline and change in how we relate, how we, you know, naturally conceive children, uh, that it's not just about whether or not you know, two people are engaging in sexual intimacy. It's actually about the longevity of a healthy relationship as well, which you know, having worked with people who are struggling with sexual dysfunction and betrayal trauma and the problem of masturbation and pornography. So talk to us a little bit more about the role. And again, little ears warning here on this topic. Talk to us a little bit more about the impact of masturbation and 
pornography use and marriage and how this is specifically within the context of marriage leading to this decline in the great gift of sexual intimacy that's meant to help in, you know, putting a little bit of those love goggles on for the other person, you know, overlooking a little bit of their flaws, giving a sense of peace and serenity, that oxytocin that bonds us to one another. Yeah, I mean, great, great point. You know, pornography habit and, and masturbation uh, in particular um, is is a selfish act. And, and I had a, uh, a friend of mine, Dr. Paul Vitz, uh, liken it to a juvenile activity of sucking your thumb. He said, wow. for adults, that's the same thing. If you're watching porn and masturbating, all you're doing is sucking your thumb. Oof. Why are you doing that? I've not heard it put that way before. Oh, it was classic. He's hysterical. And, um, but, but what ends up happening, I mean, there's a couple things. First of all, those brain chemicals that you're talking about, they are pumped out and produced in ludicrous amounts when we're watching hardcore online pornography because the images are changing. People are not, generally speaking, watching a movie start to finish. They're jumping from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing because the brain is always looking for something novel. So, so you have those brain chemicals being dumped in amounts that they were never intended to be. And then you have a big crash. So you gotta go do it again, just to get to baseline, just to start to feel normal. The problem with habitual masturbation um, is, is twofold. Number one, it's a selfish activity. But number two, for men and, and women, um, oftentimes the way we self-pleasure, nobody else can do it that way, right? We know exactly what to do, how to do it, how fast, uh, if, if external toys or tools are involved that can make the problem even more difficult. So then when you're with your spouse, you say, I, it doesn't feel as good because you have habituated yourself. You have trained yourself to think orgasm only comes this way when I do it myself. And it is, that is one of the biggest obstacles uh, for, for couples coming out of porn addiction and betrayal trauma when they start to get sexually intimate again. Um, it can take a little while to kind of get back into the groove of how to touch another human being, how to accept being touched. And it's, it's so sad because so many couples, men in particular say, Jim, if I only knew we've been married 40 years now, the sex has never been better because now we really know how to touch each other. We know how to love each other. We know how to please each other. Well, I wish they did that when they first got married in their 20s. Pay attention to that. Mm. And here, I think this candid conversation isn't one that everyone has. You know, isn't one that is easily had. It's kind of com uncomfortable. Sometimes it's helpful why it's in the, you know, happening in the car and the radio. You know, again, I give that little ears warning as a reminder. But these are conversations that have to be had. These things that we are trying to navigate 
uh, in our day-to-day relationships, things that have become so normalized and encouraged by the medical community. Jim, you and I have talked about how (laughs) this whole idea of self-pleasure, self-engagement is very heavily pushed in the culture today um, by so-called medical professionals, even to minors, that this is something that minors are being told to do and creating the habit of that's leading to, as we discussed earlier, erectile dysfunction or just difficulty in terms of pleasure with other people when it's time, right, for that gift uh, of intimacy, sexual intimacy within marriage. And so I appreciate you kind of helping to us understand the challenge right now with regard to the truth that married couples are having less sex than ever before. Uh, and it's a challenge that needs to be overcome and worked through and that there can be you know, different factors from low testosterone, contraception use, stress, anxiety, everything going on in the world that can lead to these challenges. Jim, you and the work you're doing at Integrity Restored is so important. Um, you help people through coaching if they've experienced betrayal trauma. You help people who are struggling with sexual addiction, pornography use. And so resource, if you have not used them before, want to support their work, integrityrestored.com. That's integrityrestored.com. Post the link on social media. Keep that in your back pocket. Have it as a resource. And dive into some of the science and data that is exposed, helping us to understand this challenge in our culture and how we relate to one another as men and women. So come, Divine Messiah, happy Advent, these final days. If baby hasn't come and I'm not in labor, I'll be with you tomorrow for our weekly marriage hour. I really do hope that baby comes and I'm in labor and that I'm not with you tomorrow, but I will be happy if I am uh, still. But let's talk a little bit as we wrap up our weekly gentleman's hour today. Wednesdays, we honor St. Joseph in the church. It's the day that the church and the liturgy turn toward St. Joseph. Uh, And it is such a special time in Advent. And as, uh, you know, we walk through these final days, St. Joseph was there, you know, waiting anxiously uh, for the baby, excited, nervous, wondering where, you know, he was going to um, have, you know, Our Lady be after this journey that they've taken to Bethlehem. And I keep coming back to what we were discussing at the beginning of the hour And that is the angel's greeting to St. Joseph as he's concerned about uh, setting her aside because she's pregnant. And the angel appears to him in that dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And there's a tradition in the church of uh, praying and meditating on the seven joys and seven sorrows of St. Joseph. And this is actually known as the first joy. Uh, The first sorrow is that he's going to resolve to leave Mary quietly. But the first joy is the message of the angel in this inspiring, even if bewildering message, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. 
that she's conceived by the Holy Spirit. And one of the comments and meditations in the devotion of the seven sorrows and joys of St. Joseph is that with St. Joseph, the Christian learns what it means to belong to God and to fully assume one's place among men, sanctifying the world. St. Joseph is given his role by God. Uh, and sometimes we don't always want to accept our role. You know, he was thinking about shirking his duty, you could say in one respect, and setting Mary aside quietly. I think also there's a more reverent take that, you know, he knew something very holy was happening in Our Lady, and he didn't really find himself worthy of it. But even then, there are moments where we can say, you know, no, not me, you know, and we step away from a duty that we indeed have. And so this joy in the message of the angel, this divine intervention that occurs in the life of St. Joseph is an opportunity for us to ponder how we are all called to assume our place in the world with confidence and grace in our God-given position of where he is placing us. How do we know what that is? Well, where are you right now? What are your responsibilities? Who are those people who are entrusted to your care? God knows exactly where you're at, no matter the pain, joy, past memories, or even the inexperience you think you may or may not have. Uh, sanctifying the world is what God does, and sometimes he uses us through his grace working in us to be an instrument of that. Um, not necessarily to be the musician, but to be that instrument. And that's a, such a difficult place to be in. Because it demands humility. And in this season of Advent, I think that's one of the leading things that we need in preparing for Christ's coming and preparing for our death and judgment and preparing to receive our Lord Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most holy Eucharist, whether that's tomorrow, whether that's Sunday. I hope you, you know, if you can, maybe go to Mass a little more often during this Advent season in these final days. But humility is what is required, whether it's the humility to say, I need you, God. I'm going to take that time to go to Mass and start my day in prayer, start my day in adoration of you. Whether we say, I need you, God. I need that message from the angel that, you know, perhaps God will not appear to us in a dream or send us an angel. But that doesn't mean we can't know with confidence that place in the world that we are called to assume that place where we are called to participate in God's salvific work by being an instrument of him who is the musician. And that's what's so humbling about Christmas. The circumstance of Mary and Joseph on that search for a place to give birth to this baby. And we live in a world where everything is so sterile and... You know, you have the plan, you have the time, you have the hospital, you know, all the way down to the exact minute you intend to have a child for some today. It's scheduled. But the humility of the unknown is the world that St. Joseph lived in with Our Lady and the child Jesus. And we too live in that world, no matter how hard we try to schedule it and plan. There's a humility in saying, okay, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my circumstances your circumstances. You you provide the means. There can be so much unknown in our lives, and that's okay. In a world that is obsessed with productivity, 
obsessed with achievement, not the productivity or achievement are wrong. But I come back to that idea over and over again. We are human beings, not human doings. And in this season of Advent, in preparation, let's prepare ourselves to be with Christ. We know that Jesus Christ said in that great dispute between the sisters Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, that there was a dispute because one stayed at the feet of Christ listening in a position in that culture that was a position for the men to stay and listen and be a part of the conversation or listen to the preaching. It was the part of the women to serve and to prepare the meal and to tidy up behind them. And Martha's upset because Mary's just on her butt not doing anything, helping her. And when she calls on Jesus to like correct her lazy sister, Jesus says that Mary has chosen the better place. Are we choosing the better place this Advent season? Are we truly taking the time to prepare and and to prepare our hearts, our bodies, our souls to receive our Lord at our death, to receive him and celebrate him at Christmas? Or are we distracted by all the worries and cares and unknown responsibilities and the lack of confidence in our place in the world or by the Christmas parties and the Christmas wrapping and all those things that need to be done? Are we pausing and breathing and taking that moment? Singing that song that we keep playing over and over again here on Trending, O Come Divine Messiah. Can we pray with those words and let that song resonate in these final days, in these final moments leading up to Christmas? Because that's what we need if we're going to see that growth happen through the gift of Christmas And in these coming months that we celebrate, Father Rocky was just talking today about how some churches keep up the decorations for Christmas until February 2nd. By the way, my anniversary. And I love that because we we, we take it because that's the full liturgical Christmas season. And so prepare the way for Christ. If you feel like you haven't prepared, take that season and run with it into the arms of our Lord. 